0: This is a Media 8 production. This podcast may have explicit themes and swearing and may not be suitable for children.
1: I really, my heart, I, I had a meeting with Bravehearts yesterday and I've become a voice for Bravehearts and we want to do a lot of work together getting into schools. I really, really, really want to just travel the world saving lives. I want to speak to women who need to hear this message and know that they are not alone. That's, that's what I want to do till they our die.
0: The world is full of amazing people and once a week i get the opportunity to interview one of them my name is brett mccallum and this is awesome human today's awesome human renee michelle is committed to living a life fueled by purpose renee founded her first startup career path resumes in 2017 and launched ReneeMichelle.com in 2018 renee is a writer coach speaker mentor and mother driven to empower and support female survivors of childhood sexual abuse. Always up for a challenge, Renee recently spent four years working offshore in one of the most politically charged environments imaginable, where recurring rape plots against her, armed riots, physical assaults and death threats were a common occurrence. Today we hear the stories from Renee's inspiring new book, Battle Scars are Beautiful, From Victim to Victory, her 33 year long journey To Overcoming the Effect of Prolonged Psychological, Physical and Sexual Abuse. Fuck me. Wow. Renee, (laughs) someone needs to give you a big hug. And when we stop recording, I'm going to do that (laughs) person. Welcome to Awesome Humans. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for coming in. As I mentioned to start, I don't read that before I come in and like I'm just tingling. Like it's like that's amazing. I can't wait to hear this story. What I love to do with this is always start at the very, very beginning. Yeah, okay. What's your first ever memory?
1: My first ever memory was holding a stuffed blue raccoon. Now, that apparently was given to me by my grandmother and I was approximately a year and a half old. Wow,
0: 18 months old. Yeah. That's
1: huge. Because I remember mum asking me one day, you know, did I remember my grandparents? And I was like, I remember this blue toy. It was like fuzzy and I was holding it in the backseat of the car And she's like, no, 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 that can't be right. I was like, why? And she goes, you weren't even two yet. You'd just been given that by my mother, by my grandmother. I was like, well, I remember. And I said, for some reason I was crying. And she said, yes, because as soon as we got in the car, you pulled its head off. (laughs) Good start. So there you go. That's the earliest memory. And it was
0: a raccoon. It
1: was a raccoon
0: of all things. Why would someone give you a
1: raccoon? Oh, look. What was it? 1974? Who knows? Yeah, but
0: that's bizarre, isn't it? Like, wasn't it Teddy or anything? It was a raccoon. It was a raccoon. A blue one, too. Yeah.
1: Well, look, our family have never really been normal, so (laughs) that could be why. So where were you born? I was born in Hornsby.
0: Hornsby, New South Wales. Absolutely. So you a New South, a South, New South Welsh person? I am. Oh, so am I. Yeah. So it oh, makes well, there me even go. happier Woo-hoo. now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, where did you go to school?
1: I went to school everywhere. So when I was around three weeks old, we actually moved to the country. Okay. We moved to a place called Katingle, quite near Tamworth. Yep. And we pretty much milled around those sort of uh, country towns for the next 10, 10 years of my life. Mm-hmm. But my father managed a lot. A large department store. So he would actually get transferred quite often.
0: Ah, okay. So I think
1: I went to like 10 different primary schools.
0: Do you remember any of them?
1: Not really. They weren't fond memories because I did get bullied a lot because I did move so much. I was always the new kid.
0: How did you deal with that back then? I
1: didn't. I was very introverted. Pushed Um, it all down into your belly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was the good girl. Please, thank you. Kept my mouth quiet and just. Is that because of the way
0: you're brought up or is that because you were hiding? It was a
1: mixture of both. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a lot of family dysfunction at home, and my mum was not the most emotionally available mother. Mm hmm. Uh, I am the youngest of five girls, though, so she would have been extremely, back in those days, very busy. Yeah, of course. Um, And then when my father left the home at around the age of nine, she had five girls to bring up.
0: Wow. Yeah. And what are the ages of the girls? What's Uh, the differences?
1: There's six years between me and the next two. They're identical twins. Yeah. And then there's uh, my next sister is two years older, and then the next sister is three years older, but different father. Okay. So there is quite a big age difference like I said 6 years between me and the next sister. Yeah. So I always grew up knowing I was different mm-hmm. and I always grew up knowing I was isolated. So there was my sisters with their life and and their connection and then there was me. I looked different okay. as well. I'm dark. Yeah. Dark eyes, dark hair. They're blonde, blue-eyed, fair skin.
0: And you said different father. They all had the same they father. They all had
1: the same father. So
0: you had the different father? Yes. Oh, so you were the outcast. I was. The black sheep.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I love it now. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but back then it was like, oh, why am I? I look different.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm always excluded from family holidays because they, their father would come and pick them up for Christmas and oh, Easter okay. and school holidays. And then I was left at home.
0: So you were the only child then? Yeah, pretty much. And how did, did mum treat you different?
1: No, I don't think they thought so. They of thought course. that I was the golden child. That's yeah. a nickname that I still get today.
0: <laughs> my brother's the golden child. Yeah.
1: I understand. But I think, like I, said, like I said to them growing up, we we will get to this, but I actually don't have a relationship with my sisters anymore. But like mum said, A, she was busy.
0: Mm.
1: Two, because they were there and older, she relinquished a lot of the, the support to them, you know, can you help out Bath, Renee, yeah. you know, all that type of thing. Uh, and she was doing, I think, three jobs to support us all. So it wasn't so much that I got treated differently as much as she just didn't have the time to be as hands-on as she had with them.
0: Yeah, fair enough. And so the oldest is how much older than you?
1: Well, she's 54 now and I'm
0: 43 this year.
1: So 11. Yeah.
0: Okay, so she would have been given a lot of responsibility yeah, as well. Yeah, and she didn't like no. <laughs> fair enough fair enough so you say you, you moved around a lot till you with not 10 yeah so that's when dad left
1: yep that's when dad left um, and did you lose all
0: communication then
1: uh no i didn't um <laughs> so allegations were made towards my father the reason that he left the home okay is that um and i do have to be careful how i frame this and it's explained in the book um So one of my sisters made allegations towards my father of a sexual nature Mm -hmm. and instantly one day he was there and the next day he was gone and I didn't see him again for another three years.
0: And how was that explained to you?
1: Um, How it was explained was I came home from school and mum said, we're going to go and see your father. And I thought, hang on a minute, because dad worked about 45 minutes to an hour away from our country home. And the only time we ever went in to see dad was on weekends when we did our grocery shopping. Mm -hmm. So I thought, this is a bit. You know, out of the ordinary, but okay, off we go. And we weren't a very communicative family. So it was just, let's get in the car and go and see your dad. No questions asked. Okay. It was just me and my mother. And we pulled up at the police station, walked inside, and I just remember an officer pointing down the hallway. Yeah. My mother and I walked down the hallway and there was my father behind a cell door. They said, don't cross the yellow line. You can only speak to him. No, No physical touch.
0: And you're and nine.
1: I'm nine. And I remember as soon as the policeman walked away, my mum and I rushed at the door and held dad's hand and I think we probably spoke to him from what mum says around 30 to 40 minutes before mm-hmm. they said, okay, you need to go now. Um, do
0: you remember that conversation? No. Okay. I can. But the, Did you block the, that out, do you think?
1: I, I remember the feeling. Okay. I don't remember the words but I just remember feeling scared that I didn't know if I was ever going to see him again. And I just, I, I remember just clinging onto his hands and as we were walking out just this depth of um, emptiness and it was just this heavy oppressive feeling Um, you know I I think about it later and and when I wrote my autobiography I I really sort of spent time going over and over that moment and I cannot remember any of the words that were spoken just that heaviness and
0: what was dad like before before this moment, before oh, this day, our
1: house was full of laughter. My dad is the most charming, funny, joke telling man. Still today, that you yeah. will ever meet, nobody has anything but fond memories of my father. And so how
0: did the other girls treat him though?
1: Um, I, I was none the wiser. I shared okay. a, I shared a bedroom with my sisters. Yeah. You know, I was oblivious.
0: So did they treat him this. as a stepdad, or did they treat him as? Dad or they treated him work? as dad. Okay. Yeah,
1: very much so. I, I never referred to my sisters as half sisters yep. and they didn't to me. We all grew up in the same home. Dad was always there and as far as we were concerned and what it looked like, we were a family.
0: And so when the other dad yep. used to come to visit, what did they, how was that explained to you? He
1: never came into the house. He would just toot his horn and all the girls would run right. out and off they went. I actually, I think I've probably spoken three words to him and it was at my sister's weddings. Oh. Okay. Later when, when I would see him, but he never spoke to me, never engaged with me in any way. So
0: you had no relationship? No yeah.
1: none whatsoever.
0: So we're nine years old, we're standing in a police station. Mm. Mum didn't tell you obviously before you went in. Nobody
1: air. told me anything.
0: Your forty minutes is up. Yeah. We go back to the car. Mm. Obviously you're upset. Yep. What's mum say? Silent. Not a word. Just back in the car?
1: Back in the car. We go back
0: home now. Yep. Did they tell you at the time why he was behind bars? No. Nope. They just said that's where he was? And our was our it?
1: family is an expert in secrecy
0: mm-hmm. and silent. Okay.
1: Yeah, anything hard, we do not talk about it. We sweep it under the carpet.
0: So you get back home mm-hmm. and the sister that made the allegation, mm-hmm. was she there?
1: No, no longer living there. Moved out with a boyfriend.
0: Okay. And the other sisters?
1: No idea. They, they all lived there yeah. but it was never never mentioned.
0: Off. So what happened to Dad?
1: Uh, three years.
0: He got put away for three years? Three years. So it got proven in he, court?
1: No, he pled. Okay. Back, it was 1982, I yep. remember. And the only reason I know this is because, and this is when everything fell apart. Mm-hmm. I was left at home by myself one day. Uh, I think it was about three months after Dad had left.
0: So you are about nine, ten yep. still? Yeah. Yep.
1: And I was rummaging through my mother's wardrobe. Big mistake. (laughs) Because my sisters had told me once that's where she hid the Christmas present. (laughs) Shouldn't have done that. I was bored and and I was not a mischievous kid. I never broke rules or did anything wrong, but I was just bored and curious. And I thought, what what the heck? Grabbed a stool, hopped up, pulled this cardboard box down, and and all that was in there was this black, like Constantina file. Yeah. And I thought, oh. And what that is so I popped it open and all that was in there in the front pocket was all this typed paper. And I remember seeing an emblem on the top of the first page that set, that was vaguely familiar but I I didn't really understand why. So I started reading and it was my sister's statement. Oh. And so I'm reading words and phrases and descriptions of things that I have no real understanding yeah, of yeah. obviously. I know it's not good. And I it was like I was reading a movie script about this far-off person that I had never met because it was in such contradiction to the man I knew as my father. And that's when it dawned on me that the emblem was, of course, the New South Wales Police Force emblem. And I can just remember in that moment that's when everything fell apart because then it became so clear to me what everyone had been, you know, whispering about behind my back and keeping secret and why everything was silent and now why my father was gone. But I felt betrayed because it felt, again, everybody knew but me. Hmm. Um, Because there was parts in that statement that they, you know, questioned my other sisters who said nothing. Um, It was purely just her words. You never got I No. This is the other thing that we've pondered about many years.
0: That's that's a bit weird.
1: (laughs) I've spoken to solicitors since and they think because it was the 80s and it was something that was very shrouded in, oh, gosh, we don't talk about this, is really quite uncomfortable. That's why my father actually pled because they encouraged him that if he did so, he would get a minimal sentence and I and the other girls would not need to go through that court process.
0: So he did it for you.
1: Yeah, which I didn't know at the time. Obviously I found out quite later which was quite devastating. Yeah.
0: And how old was the allegate, allegationer, that's the wrong word, um, the alleged person? Ah,
1: uh, 16.
0: So she was 16 at yep. the time. So she then obviously she'd moved out and lived with the boyfriend mm-hmm. and that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. Mm-hmm. You're reading this. Yeah. Obviously only understanding probably every third word. Yeah. But you knew it was bad. Yeah. And then you realise, oh, that's why Dad's in behind the bars.
1: And I couldn't tell him when I'd found it because what am I going to say? Oh, then you're say? in trouble for,
0: for looking so through the stuff. I didn't tell stuff.
1: anybody. I just put it back. I wow. for I don't know how long with the world spinning around me.
0: And where was everyone this day? This was a court day?
1: Yeah. No, no, no. no, Mum, like I said, she was busy working multiple yeah. jobs and my sisters were quite mischievous girls. Mm-hmm. So they were always out. Yeah, and we had horses. We lived on a farm. So they were girls that were just always out with their friends. Like I said, quite a bit older than me. They were teenagers at that stage. Um, and I was just sitting at home with nothing to do and got into mischief found something I did. Never wanted to find. No,
0: of course not. And then so um, Dad pled yes. and got three years. Yep. So he gets put away for three years. What are you told then?
1: Still nothing. Wow. Still never told. And obviously I didn't ask because I kind of knew. Not that they knew I knew. Uh, my father and I ca- st- uh, stayed in contact the entire time. We wrote letters back and forth. Did you go and see him? No, I wasn't allowed. He didn't okay. want me to.
0: That's fair enough yeah. in a way.
1: I was too young. Yeah, and he said to me later, he said, "I did not want you to have that image in your head." He goes, "It's horrible." Mm. I was like, you know, as torn up as I was, what about I didn't mum? understand it at the time.
0: No. Does mum at this time think he's done that to my daughter?
1: This is this has been a a, a bone of contention always because to this day she still says she didn't see anything and that's why they couldn't use her for any sort of evidence uh, yeah. the dbp pretty much said well you're of no use to us as far as putting a case together and to this day she says no she didn't she said of course if i saw or, or thought something i would have come forward daughter, yeah. yeah exactly um so that did create quite a divide for for quite some time there um to the point that there was times throughout my mum's life where she's Really punished herself by trying to dig and search into her memory mm. for things, and I said, "Mom, if you don't recall, why are you, you know?" And she said, "Because it's my daughter, and I just feel responsible that yeah, if she's 100%. gone to this place, and so I can understand as a parent that was her concern. So there's, there's been a lot of emotional, I guess, um, scarring. I'm from sure that that had a ripple effect for all of us.
0: So you're nine years old. Dad's dad's been put away for three years. You're not told. Mm. Um, do you stay in the same house then? So now you're you're not moving around as much.
1: No, we moved because they um, wanted to publish all our names in the local paper.
0: Oh, that was nice of them.
1: Yeah. So my mum got wind of that being a small country town. Yeah, I think one of the police officers might have mentioned that to her. Next thing I know, we're packing up and moving away again.
0: So where'd you move to then? We moved
1: to Sydney. Okay. Yep. Yep.
0: So now we're gone to Sydney. Mm. Um, it's just your mum and five girls.
1: They all started filtering out of home from then on and it was my mum and I left behind Mm -hmm. um, together and that's when mum started falling apart. That's when she developed a drinking problem and started bringing men into the home that were not safe for me and that's when my abuse started.
0: So you're now 10 or 11.
1: 10, yeah. Um, yeah. Where did
0: we go in Sydney? Hornsby?
1: Uh, no, we moved to Parramatta of all Parramatta. places. So we've gone from country towns to of the west, expansive property <laughs> to multicultural yeah. Parramatta in a two-bedroom unit. Um, and I was, it was culture shock. I, th- I was the only Caucasian in my class.
0: So what school you went to then?
1: Um, Parramatta Primary, of course. Oh, there you go.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And, and Parramatta, for people that don't know, is a very multicultural area very of Sydney. It's in Western Sydney, and uh, yeah, as you say, there's not many Caucasians there. Um, even I've, back in the I 80s, was it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, were you the outcast once again? Yes. And did you get the Where's your dad? Or a lot of people in Parramatta probably didn't. No, well, they it, had broken families. It wasn't at the time. really
1: Where's your dad? But again, it was just that feeling that I was different. Always seeing mums and dads pick pick up the children, yeah. drop them off. Birthday parties with parents, and you know, me just having my mum, and then of course, mum's still by this stage drinking, yeah, bringing men. So, we didn't have a relationship that I would say was normal for a child of that age. And so, at 11, you're parent. pretty
0: much looking after yourself, do you think? Yeah, 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 very much so, and your mum, yeah, mm. yeah. So, I that's tried. The, you, you. you take over that adult responsibility, don't you? You do,
1: and as much as I started to actually develop, um, hatred is too strong of a word, but started to really um, disrespect my mum, I yeah. guess, because, you know, she's all I had left in the world and whilst I was watching what she was doing and, and really, you know, upsetting to see her drunk and bringing men home and, and not being the, the mum that I remember, yeah. I was also fiercely protective of her. Of course. As well. So it was that contradiction of of always sort of struggling to to hold, I guess, in balance because and it was her and i i quite liked having that time with her even though she wasn't affectionate or loving yeah. it was it was still time so that i had with time. Mama. Yep. and then of course when a man was there the whole dynamic
0: would change and did you question at a time like what about dad never okay
1: never ever what
0: about in the back of your head always yeah so it was never verbal, it was always internal. Yeah. Like how are you bringing these men home when dad's, like where's dad?
1: Yeah, well, they, they obviously separated and divorced while he was in jail. Because okay. That the tension that that created mm-hmm. in their relationship, you know, upon speaking to dad later he said, look, our, our marriage was not in a great place when that happened. Um, and I never recall fighting or arguing or raised they, voices. They it well. <laughs> well, he said, we actually never fought, Renee. We just drifted apart. Okay. He said there was no violence, there was no bitterness or, or anger. Um, I, he, he coached baseball and, and did, you know, guy things and mum was the homemaker wanted to be at home and they just sort of drifted apart.
0: Okay. Yeah. So during this time, where's your sisters?
1: They've all got boyfriends and so the older ones are married and they've moved away and started their own Are they speaking life. to mum at all? Uh, yes, they were. They actually all became drinking buddies, funnily enough. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So,
0: <laughs> habits don't fall far from the tree, do Correct, they? Correct, yeah. So, But at that time, were you? did you think, oh, I've got them to support me or no, you're still I on No, I never had
1: a relationship with my sisters. We were never close. Yeah. Never close. And
0: obviously it just got worse when they all got together. Because exactly. you're once again the outcast.
1: Yes, yeah. So I was left at home from, you know, Friday nights, Saturday nights while they all went out to the local club and I just became a bit of a bookworm. Okay. That became my escape. You Enid Blyton.
0: <laughs> gotta love Enid. Yeah, you gotta love Enid. <laughs> so you finished Parramatta Primary School and yep. then you go to Parramatta High?
1: I went to MacArthur Girls High because oh, I thought it was posh. fancy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and was that your call or mum's?
1: That was my call. Okay. Yeah, she said, what school would you like to go to? And I said, oh, what's that one with the rose bushes and the swimming pool? And she's like, oh, I don't know if we can afford that. And then we found out it it was a public school, so off I went.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And so MacArthur's girls, did that get any better for you? Got worse. Got worse. Got worse. Why?
1: (laughs) It wasn't as posh as I thought. (laughs) Oh, dear. It was an all-girls school and it was very rough. Okay. Very, very rough. And the, the girls of my year were way beyond... Maturity and you know sexually active and and just doing things that I had not even heard of. Okay. Yeah. So once again, I was just sort of a little bit out of the loop and never really fit anywhere.
0: Yeah, I understand. So you mentioned earlier that um, that's when the abuse started mm. when mum was bringing home these men. Um, was that physical abuse, verbal, sexual abuse? The,
1: f- the first um, time I was abused was physical abuse. One mm. of her partners was very, very, he he just did not like me for whatever reason and he was a real bully. And in the book I refer to him as the coward and he would taunt me when mum wasn't around, call me names like ugly, bitch, stupid, unlovable, disgusting. And how old are
0: you, 11 or 12?
1: Ten at that stage. Wow. Uh, and then he became physically abusive. He would, you know, sort of pull me out of the car when he'd pick me up. He'd very, about six foot three this man was and just a hulk big of a man, man. Yeah. yep, big eared and big booming voice. And he at first it started just as manhandling, just being very rough with his hands pulling me around. Um, and then he would charge at me just at random times, just really so tormenting type behaviour. Mm-hmm. And then he started backhanding me quite regularly. He didn't like the fact that I didn't say, you know, please and thank you to him. And I was never rude. I was silent. Okay. Around him, so if he'd say something, I just purely wouldn't respond, mm. um, and he would hit me for that.
0: And what mum think of that?
1: She wasn't around when he was doing that. Okay. I became very good at realizing that ice could bring down swelling quite quickly. Yeah. Um, when she did start noticing, is when she started packing.
0: So, what did she say then?
1: Again, no conversation. Oh, right. She's silent. I forgot. So Sorry. I would just say to her can we go? It was always, mom, can we just go? Can we go? And she's like, what's wrong? And I was, I would always freeze. I was just always scared of confrontation. I never felt like I had a voice. So I would just cry. It was almost like this silent understanding between us that yeah. neither of us wanted to say out loud. Um, but he was someone that often when he and my mum would get into very verbal arguments, he would pick up dinner plates and throw them across the kitchen at dinner time, And there were several times we ran to the car to try to leave and he would have taken the distributor cap off or, or spark plugs okay. out of the engine um, so that we couldn't leave. So we'd sometimes sit in a locked car for two, three hours before we'd go back into the house.
0: Wow. Yeah. So at that age then, mm. you, do you start to think this is normal?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I can't ever remember assessing, wow, is my life normal? I just assumed that that's what relationships were and things just aren't good and you fight and you argue and some people aren't very nice.
0: So then when you go to MacArthur Girls college yeah did you you, um obviously these girls are a lot rougher and as you say they're a lot more mature yeah um did you then once again think oh mate that's just i'm different and that must be part of life
1: yeah i just constantly had this um assessment or voice in my mind of there is something wrong with you and you are not like everybody else. And you,
0: so you're always the wrong one. Always the wrong yeah. one.
1: And and that was very much when, when the physical and verbal abuse started with with that boy, particular boyfriend of my mother's. That's the things he would say to me. So that behaviour then and, and being around girls my age who were then different confirmed to me in my own mind, oh, well, what he's saying is true. Yeah, yeah. And that is also when the sexual abuse started with my mum's boyfriend, whatever current boyfriend it was at the time. Mm-hmm. And he was a gentleman that lived a couple of doors down on the same floor of us in our apartment block. So my mum would bring him home. How old are you? I am 11. Okay. She would, they would go out drinking on a Friday night with my sisters. They would come home um, and and then on a Sunday night he may come over for dinner and stay the night. She would get up Monday morning and go to work and he would be left at home with me. Okay. That's when he would come into my room.
0: And as an 11-year-old girl when this is happening to you, Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going through your head?
1: I would disassociate and just yep. go into freeze. I was a freezer. Mm-hmm. That's how I responded. And, I th- and after doing trauma training and going to university, I very much started to understand, you know, the, the effects of complex trauma on the brain and the nervous system. And I was a freezer. In that moment, my brain was like, you cannot cope with this. And I would just check out. Mm-hmm. Um, and at first it was like, just pretend you're asleep and he'll go away. And that would, didn't, didn't work. He would just climb into bed with me and touch me and the whole time I was just pretending that I was asleep and mm. then he would get up and leave the unit. And That just became a regular occurrence.
0: And so obviously you're not telling mum this. No, I'm
1: not telling anybody.
0: And But you're hearing about all these sort of sexually active people at school. Are you then associating the two things together?
1: No, I was terrified. Mm-hmm. I was terrified of a man yes. by that stage and it's I was terrified of intimacy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if any even male teachers freaked me out. Yeah. So if I got in trouble in class and they yelled at me, I would I would my body would physically shut down and I would have to go to the bathroom, ask ask for a break, go to the bathroom and I would just shake and cry and never really understanding that was why. I just thought, Oh, he was scary normal response,
0: yeah.
1: so I'm very much already starting to, you know, exhibit those physical responses to toxic stress and yeah, so forth definitely. without really knowing what was going on.
0: And during this time, do you have any friends?
1: Not proper friends, no. At, at do you have my, the girls that you
0: hang out with? I
1: had I had the bully girls. Okay. They were the only girls that would accept me, I guess, because I was an outcast.
0: Yeah, and someone and, they could bully.
1: Yeah, what? and if, if we know, you know, if anyone's watched Mean Girls or any yeah, of yeah. those types of movies... It's based on their feelings on the day. So today they loved me. Tomorrow they hated me. Yeah. So I would go to school and have four or five girls that, "Oh, Renee, you're awesome." The next day they would not even look at me, and I'd be eating lunch by myself, and everybody poking their finger at me, laughing at me. So it was just an emotional roller coaster.
0: Just so I'm going to pause this for a sec because yeah. I think you're fucking amazing. Look at you right now. And how strong <laughs> and powerful you are. Talking about this stuff is unbelievable. And obviously we're going to learn more as we go through the process. But congratulations. Like it's something you should be so proud of yourself for because you've come out the other side and Mm. it is, man, it's just so good. Like... So congratulations on that. Sorry, we'll <laughs> go back to the to the story. But yeah, you know, I just had to because, like, I look at you now and you're just a strong, powerful woman.
1: Yeah.
0: And <laughs> with giraffe legs, obviously. Which. Gosh. <laughs> thanks for <laughs> that. Couldn't fit under my table, but oh, that's no. fine. Um, but no, no, I just look at you now, and you're a strong, powerful woman. When you you're actually when I first met you earlier, and. Um, like you just got this awe around you like it's it's amazing, like it's just me and if you don't like it, well,
1: oh, yeah. bugger you off. You can go for a jump. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> go fuck yourself as yes. I like to say. Yeah. But you can swear on this podcast, that's fine. They put a warning at the start for that purpose. Oh, but do they? Yeah, yes, they do. Right. So where do you go for your life? Okay, so now we're, we're moving through high school. Mm-hmm, we're, mm-hmm. we're suffering abuse. Yeah. Um, When's Dad get out of jail?
1: Dad got out of jail when I was living in that unit so I hadn't Turned twelve yet, so I was eleven, and um, all of a sudden, I've you know, life is shit. Um, Mum's still going out with that guy that's abusing me, so I made her life hell. Yep. So every time he came over for dinner, I was just a right piece of shit to him, yeah. which was great because they broke up over it. Yes. <laughs> and then one night, Mum just calls me out of my room with, and she's holding a letter in her hand. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I just had no relationship no with her by that 12, time. Twelve or thirteen? Uh, eleven. Eleven. 11. Yeah, yeah. And she's like you can see your dad and my entire world in that second just changed and my you know she must have realized because she looked at me and she's like obviously that makes you happy so I can only imagine the expression on my face
0: do you remember the feeling
1: yes I remember was it euphoria I talk about it in the book it's bizarre and it may not make sense to everybody but the unit we lived in it was a just obviously we didn't have much money so the white on the walls was yellow yeah. Um, th- these, you know, these ceiling pieces were falling down and covered in mould and we had a fluorescent light that flickered in mm-hmm. the kitchen. All of a sudden the light was bright white. Oh, wow. The ceiling was beautiful. There yeah. was no mould. It's quite surreal.
0: Did it make you feel safe again? Like Dad, in, in uh, he can protect me now. My
1: knight in shining armour is here. Everything is fine.
0: And so the letter shown to you. And then when do we get to see him?
1: Within weeks. Oh really. So I think that night I went and packed. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, get so me out of here. <gasps>
0: did you think then you're going back to live with dad?
1: I knew I wouldn't be going back to live with dad because mum had told me because during that stage of um his sentence coming up to being nearly over, I was started to I started to prod. Mm-hmm. You know, what's going to happen? Can't wait to see Dad. And I remember during one of those conversations, Mum said, look, we're going to have to assess how this is going to work uh, because you are my child and you will not be living with your f-. She made that very, very okay. clear. Um, so at that point in time, I just wanted every waking moment I could, whatever I could get, yeah. I, was, I
0: was there. And yeah. where would he go after he got out?
1: He moved to the Central Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a new partner by that stage and she had known him from way back dot in the country town. Mm-hmm. And I actually knew her. So by the time um, the day that he came to pick me up, uh-huh, <laughs> was like going to Disneyland. Um, he had said, you know, I- I'm with her now. And I was like, great. I-, I remember her. She's awesome. And we, I went to the Central Coast and I had two weeks of utter bliss. Yeah. And cried all the way home because I just I never wanted to go home.
0: And did you tell him anything? Never, never. No,
1: I didn't tell anyone till I was twenty six years old.
0: Wow. So we're now eleven or twelve. Mm-hmm. Then you've had your weekend of or your two weeks of awesomeness. Yeah. And you have got to go back to Parramatta. Yeah. We're back to the Total school. Total shutdown. Yeah, and that's to when the things boyfriend. started to get
1: really bad. Because I became angry then. Okay. Because there is a better life that's about correct. an hour
0: and a half away from here.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And that was as great as it was, it was devastating.
0: And did that explain to you why you couldn't live with him? No. Because at 11 you're still very sort of, I've got an 11-year-old and so many questions.
1: I never asked a question. Isn't that amazing? Because I felt, I was always silenced. I, I honestly didn't think I ever had a voice. Wow. So I never used it, never
0: spoke up. So... You can then go back into trauma mode pretty shit, much. Yeah, yeah back yep. into the pile of shit. Yep. Do you finish school?
1: I was kicked out in your tent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like I said, it, I became very angry. So, you know, this young girl that was very much, yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full, sir, became my mum's shit, my life shit. I hate the world. That's when I I met a guy much older than me. Started sneaking out of the house with a girlfriend of mine. Getting absolutely trashed every weekend. That's when I became sexually active as well. Yes, fifteen, sixteen. Um, purely out of just compliance, and that's what the kids did. Mm. But would disassociate every time, and had to be absolutely paralytic drunk to do that.
0: And so, this older uh, man that you Mm. were with. How much older was he?
1: Oh, I think he was, I think he was 18 or 19 okay. and, and I was, what, 13, 14. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't know why. I, maybe it's my height but boys, you know, would always assume that I was quite a few older. years older than I was. And because I was mature, because I'd been looking after myself for so yeah. long, I didn't act like the giddy teenagers that the other girls did. And he was actually quite a nice guy. He never hurt me. He didn't abuse me in any way. Um, I wouldn't exactly say he was a great influence. Yeah. Um, and clearly, you know, especially when we talk about consent now, and girls that are unconscious yeah, yeah. Obviously, obviously cannot provide consent. Of course, I was unconscious on many occasions. Yeah. Yet he still had sex with me. So obviously. There were still issues. Nice he like. wasn't that nice. <laughs> but do you know, the f- that's the funny thing to me. I thought, oh, my gosh, he's so nice. Yeah. Because he didn't beat me up.
0: Yeah. He didn't hit me. He didn't abuse me. Yeah. He didn't yell at me. He didn't do correct. any of that sort of yeah. stuff. And if it means that that happens when I'm drunk, well, you don't remember it anyway.
1: That's correct. <laughs> so yeah, Oh well, What did you do? No big it's unbelievable, deal. unbelievable, isn't it? Mm. When well, you look
0: back now and oh think. Oh, my gosh. So we've got booted out of school because mm-hmm. you're such a good child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's Dad said about that?
1: Not much. And, and Are you it's, still
0: communicating with Dad yes, regularly? Yes,
1: I, I see Dad every school holidays. Yeah, um, But it, it becomes a very, Mum was very, very jealous of my relationship with my Dad and, and I sort of look back now and I can sort of see, you know, I think her life had spiralled so out of control and she didn't know how to stop it spiralling. Mm-hmm. So to see me so happy to leave her and go and see Dad and see me so miserable and angry when I came back, that obviously hurt her feelings yeah, of you know course. she's still a parent and i was terrible to her i would swear And did at she her talk to him at all? Uh, on the phone? Yeah, okay. they would talk on the phone when they would make the arrangements for holidays and yeah. there was no issue there mm-hmm. at all but i would always come back to a present on my bed or okay. you know always felt like she was trying to buy my affection so I, and, she, and she didn't have nice things to say about dad because he was with someone new Yeah of course and she became this very bitter woman um, you know that the world owed her something, you know, and and it's because of what she was going through, and yeah, I get that, and um, yeah. So it was a v- very emotionally controlling, I guess, dysfunctional relationship between her and I.
0: So when do you leave? When do you think? Actually, I'm old enough now. I'm out I moved either. out
1: of home as soon as I as soon as I hit sixteen. I was gone. okay.
0: And did you have a job?
1: Yes, worked full-time since I was 16 years well, old. what were you doing then? I was working in a shoe shop in Maryland. There you go, Maryland.
0: Because
1: <laughs> we had moved down to Bega. My mum actually met the man that she's married to now Okay, when I was 15, got married, couldn't stand him. He was very verbally violent. Okay. Um, I had been with uh, a boyfriend for a couple of years by that stage. Is this
0: still the same 18-year-old or a new one? No, new one. Mm-hmm.
1: And... Um, he was actually the first boy that I ever told about my abuse.
0: Wow. How yeah. old were you then?
1: I was 15 because he, he was Greek. Yep. And so very different for me but had the long black hair, the ripped jeans. <laughs> I was like, oh, mama, that's awesome. <laughs> it was this bad boy, boy thing that we're attracted to when we're dysfunctional <laughs> women. It's, it's glorious. And um, he was 18, so I was yeah. 15. So that, of course, was attractive. But he actually became my protector. And after a couple of months, obviously, we were getting quite intimate, had not had sex yet, and then when he asked me if I wanted to, I lost it. Started shaking, started crying, and he knew, hang on, what's going on here? That's obviously not a normal response. Yeah, yeah. Um, And asked me why, and I actually felt safe enough for the first time ever to tell him, and I only told him just a snippet, and I thought he was going to murder my mother. He went flying out the bedroom. To attack her, <laughs> basically, because oh, yeah. he'd never heard this before. He's a good Greek boy
0: yeah, growing yeah, up in a Greek Orthodox no.
1: family and this just does not happen. And I had to beg him, please, please, please don't tell her I've told you. Don't say anything. Just, I just didn't want the drama. Um, so what did you tell him? What, I, a,
0: what bit of abuse?
1: I told him <laughs> that um, the boyfriend when, when we were living in that unit, so yeah. the, the men that first started sexually abusing me, and I thought that was the safest one to tell him because it was long over.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: Um. So I was always trying to protect my mum, always. She's your mum. She's my mum. At the end of the day, she's still my mum. And I thought if I told him, oh, yeah, but that was a couple of years ago now and it hasn't <laughs> that was happened That wasn't the since. first one. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. So yeah. um, let's just say he was never a fan of my mother's and he and I were together for five
0: years. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: So I moved in with him.
0: Yeah, okay. So um, 18, 16. In, and then so for five years, are you still working in the shoe shop or did we get oh a God, better job?
1: Oh, God, no. No, we left there and I went to uh, BBC Hardware.
0: Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> the hardware girl. Yeah, that's
1: right. Oh, my gosh.
0: And <laughs> do, you, do you remember those times, fondly do, or not fondly?
1: Some of them were fantastic because I was free and I you started making my own decisions and I was mm-hmm. able to be an adult for the first time now. When I say free and I was an adult, I was a very dysfunctional adult. Yeah, of course. I was drinking every weekend and getting absolutely smashed and, you know, allowing this guy. Now, yes, he was nice and he wasn't abusive, but he became the air that I breathed. So I was totally codependent, Mm -hmm. absolutely could not function without him by my side. And that's when the first suicide attempt happened. Okay. Because he played a joke on me and told me he just didn't want to see me this one day and we spent every waking moment together. My first reaction was to overdose. I did. Wow. Yeah. Crazy stuff.
0: So how old are we now? 17. 17. And uh, did he find you or who found you? He did,
1: yeah, because he was actually joking. He was on his way to see me. Oh. And so you can imagine how he felt. Mm. Um, When I opened the door, apparently I... I couldn't even stand up. My eyes were rolling back in my head and I was slurring my speech. And he was like, what have you done? And I couldn't even tell him. He tried to get me into the shower to wake me up uh, because he'd never encountered that before, didn't really know what to do. And when I collapsed, that's when he rang, luckily, the ambulance Mm. and um, was rushed to hospital and drank six litres of activated charcoal and spewed up black sludge for the next three hours. It was fantastic.
0: Pump the old stomach, eh? They
1: tried that. Didn't work. They tried to put the nasal tube in and I ripped it out and ripped my nose to shreds and sprayed lovely stuff all over the nurses, yeah. which they were very angry about.
0: I'm sure they were. And
1: um, so we went to Charcoal Avenue, yep. which was just as agonizing. Do you remember that? I do. Like it yeah. was yesterday. Oh, wow. Very, very clear. Do you remember
0: when you actually went, oh, no, fuck it, I'm just going to take these tablets down yeah. and all this will be all right? It was
1: in us. Do you know that's the thing? I didn't go, I'm going to take tablets and this would be over. That was the second time, years later. Mm. The first time was sheer panic that if I don't have him, I have no one. I'm on my own. And I didn't think beyond that. I didn't think I want to die. I didn't think I need to leave the earth. All I just went into sheer panic of I can't live without him and I did not think one step further. Didn't think the effect it would have on people, what it actually meant to die. Just went straight to the medicine cabinet and took everything I could find. Had, wow. Didn't even know what it was. Just had it. Yep. Just an instant reaction of panic without any forethought of the consequences.
0: Wow. So you then obviously go back home to your home that you're living with him in?
1: Yeah. This this was the thing. My mum turned up at the hospital and, of course, I don't want her to know mm. that all that is going on, and then my sister's turned up, and it just turned into this really big deal. And she begged me to go home so she could look after me, and I was like, the "Last thing I want to do is go back to living with you."
0: <laughs> yeah, um, and she's in, in bigger, was she? She was. Yeah. And in
1: hindsight, you know, it probably would have been the best thing because mm. it was probably even though her and our relationship wasn't great, it would have been the safest mm. environment for me to be in because she genuinely cares, of course, and always mum. has. That's right. Um, but I didn't. I went back home with him.
0: Mm-hmm. And you said that lasted for five years. Mm. On and off. On and off.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: So how did that finally finish?
1: Yeah, you know, we were like magnets and we're actually still in contact today. Oh, wow. Since I wrote the book, I actually contacted him and let him know and he's a, he's always been a very big supporter of mine. So there's there's no animosity there. It, it ended because at, at 17 I actually fell pregnant to him. Mm-hmm. um unexpectedly i was on birth control and he forced me to have an abortion
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, when i say forced me it, it was have the abortion or i will leave you because he went into panic he wasn't that's, ready to be a dad that's
0: forcing yeah
1: <laughs> yeah but i don't mean physically no, forcing no, me but yeah. um verbally he was like no well, i'm out of here if yeah. you don't do that and i lived with him and his parents so where was i going to go so that was the end of it for I, I hated him. Literally overnight my feeling of codependency of I, I need you to breathe became I hate you more than anyone on the planet.
0: But I still have to live here because I've got nowhere else to go.
1: Correct, yeah.
0: And when did you realise that actually
1: it wasn't going to work? It wasn't going to work. Things just started to get quite nasty between us and, mm-hmm. I, and I was all of a sudden just not caring about how I responded to him and that's naturally just not the person that I am. Yeah, of course. So we 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 were young, but at the same time quite mature about the way that we discussed things. And I was just like, "This is just not working." So I just moved out, and um, just started living in a in a share house with other people. And mm-hmm. that's when I went to start working at BBC, and um, got into a great rebound relationship with my boss. I was seventeen; he was thirty three.
0: With your boss at BBC, wow!
1: Great logic there, isn't there? <laughs>
0: These things happen. You're wow. 17 years old.
1: And he's 33, and I could not see anything. Was he wrong married with that? or anything? No. He was single. Single. Okay. Yeah.
0: So this 33 year old man woos you. Yeah. And you'll think, oh, okay, that's cool. Let's do that.
1: Let's do that. And he was one of those people, obviously, because I was quite younger, bought me everything I wanted mm. and just lavished me with gifts and attention. And every weekend we were away at a B&B or. I was like, whoa, this is all yeah, good, right. I'm good, holding life. on to this. <laughs> um, but after three months, uh, we went on a picnic. And um, I started to doze in the sun and sort of had my eyes closed. And he he ducked in to get some more champagne or whatever it was we were drinking. When he came out, he thought I was asleep. And he started stroking my face and telling me how he wanted to marry me. And I was the woman of his dreams. And he was going to make this amazing life and give me all these experiences. And I just went into, oh, shit. Because to me it, was a, it wasn't anything it was serious. Yeah. It was just like, oh, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a nice guy buying me nice things. And I went, oh, my God, I need to get out of this. So funnily enough, the Greek guy that we'd been with for five years, I had fallen out of contact with him since I was going out with my boss knowing yeah. he wouldn't approve. <laughs> so I sort of just didn't return his phone calls and things. And I actually rang him when I got home that day and just said, look, you know, sorry I haven't been talking to you. It's because I've been going out with this guy but it's over now. Um, I've realised it's not great for me. Um, how are you going? You know, what's going on with you? And told him how old he was. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> How'd that go down? Wow. Well, that night I got home from work and, and, and my boss had um, said, look, do you want to come back to my place and get all the things that you've left there? So we sort of left on friendly terms, as, as crushed still as he your was. Boss. Yeah, that's right. So I was like, sure, let's go get my stuff. And as we pulled up in my driveway, there's the ex. The Greek boy. Waiting for him. Briefed him out of the car window with one solid punch. He's on the ground and I'm standing there going, oh, no.
0: That's not a good idea.
1: So, of course, I'm no longer working at BBC <laughs> Hardware, am I? I was like, gee, I better get out of there. And that night we stayed up, me and the Greek boy talking to four o'clock in the morning, came up with the great idea that we'd get back together. Obviously we were meant Ob- to be.
0: Yeah, obviously that yeah. he can punch harder than the other guy. So yeah. Oh, wow. So we
1: just, went, we, we tried to be really mature about it and said, let's just do it differently and we'll date and we'll do all oh, What a disaster. It lasted <laughs> about another six months before we went. This is ridiculous.
0: <laughs> so six months later, we're no longer with the boss or yeah. the Greek boy. Where are you now? How's your headspace at this time?
1: Yeah, look, it was just...
0: Are you still speaking to Dad during this time?
1: Yeah, yeah, my Dad and I are super-duper close. Yeah. He's just such a lovely guy and um, he very much is and always has been um, a pedestal father, I call him, yeah. I guess, you know, and it wasn't until later on in life that I had to realise that he was actually human. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fair enough.
1: You know, and did have faults but it, it did take a while.
0: Did he, he tell you about... At All up to this age, we're still 17. Did he mm. tell you previously why he went to jail?
1: He asked me if I knew.
0: Okay. Yeah, and And, I, said, you say? and I
1: told him what I'd found and yeah. he cried.
0: Mm. Yeah. And did he say anything like I didn't do that or anything? He
1: just looked at me and he said, I'm just so sorry that this is the effect that it's had on you. You didn't ask for this. You didn't deserve this. And I said, what are you worried about me? What happened to you? You yeah. were, you know, and he said, don't worry about me. I'm, I'm an adult. I can take care of myself. You, on the other hand, I said, no, no, no. I need to acknowledge what you went through, and thank you for acknowledging my journey, but this is a two way street here, mm. um and that's when he just hugged me, and he just said, "Thank you so much, because you know you could have chosen not to believe me, yeah, and I said, Dad, I know you
0: yeah, yeah, of and he
1: just cried, wow, yeah, so we we never had to do the whole
0: and you never you know, spoke about it again?
1: no, one day, years later, um and I think it was um when I was preparing to marry for the first time another story um (laughs) he he just looked at me one day we went for a drive together and again we pulled over on the side of the road and he gave me a hug and just said look I'm so proud of you and you've grown up to most beautiful young lady and he said again I'm just so sorry that you've had and I said dad don't even go there and he looked at me and he said but I don't think you realize what a big deal it is for me to know that you trust me without me even having to tell you yeah um, so that's pretty much all we've ever done because I don't want to take him back to that place. No, of course not. No, so, and I don't need it. Mm. Um, yeah. So.
0: No, it's that's, it's that's, that's interesting, isn't it? Because you both understand each other. Yeah, that's and right. My
1: father and I are so similar. We're, we're very different, but very, very similar. Yeah. You know, we've all, we've only sort of really got to look at each other and give each other a glance, and we sort of get what no, we're, where we're coming on. from. And yeah, yeah. So it's a good I'm, way to be with you, dad. It is nice. It <laughs> is really nice. Yeah.
0: So we've now broken up with all these people. We're, <laughs> we're, we're we're single again. We're we're nearly probably nearly 18 by this stage. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're living on your own.
1: Uh, no, I live in moving to a house. I move into a share house with drug addicts.
0: Oh, that's handy. Yeah, yeah. Especially with someone with your history.
1: Yeah, and that's then that's when everything started for me because I I didn't know that about them. I just happened to meet them at a nightclub and they were great people well, and i so moving and I went
0: okay. <laughs>
1: You know, you make really responsible decisions when you don't have any understanding of wise versus unwise because I had never been shown wise.
0: Yeah. Makes sense. Never been shown wise. You've never been parented. So, what are you doing? Yeah. So, you don't know what.
1: Yeah. Everything's reactive. All your decisions are very reactive in the moment.
0: So these drug addicts, are yeah. they like hardcore stuff or Oh or? yeah. Okay. So we're moving into an environment now that's probably not good for someone that's it got It wasn't um,
1: good. It it seemed great at the time because um they were just very nice and and when I say nice, they were always checking in on me and I was the only one that had a job, so it was like how was work today Renee? Let us cook your dinner Renee with my food that I had bought yeah, because of obviously I'm <laughs> the only one working. Um so to me it was like, gosh, they're nice. Yeah. They're so nice.
0: They're looking after me even though you're paying for everything.
1: They're so nice, <laughs> yeah. And um, the, the oldest guy that lived there was a tattooist. So the house was always full of bikies getting tattoos mm-hmm. and they paid in drugs, not cash. Oh, that's nice. So I would come home and go, what are those big bowls of white powder on the table? <laughs> that's how much drugs were in the house. Yeah, wow. Yeah, and they're like, do you want to try it? And I was like, well, what is that? Just so naive. And um, that's when my drug abuse started, yeah.
0: Well, it was it's free. It was free. Free. <laughs> if you can have a habit and it's free. Might as well have a free Most one. people can't afford it. That's right. And <laughs> You've got it in piles in the lounge room. So we've now got a drug habit. Mm-hmm. We're living mm-hmm. in a house full of, of junkies. We're still working? Are you working, working
1: now? Yeah, look, I am working. I've taken a traineeship. I'm doing a TAFE certificate in administration. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd always had so that get So getting your life drive. together. Well, that's what I thought, yeah. yeah so I would come home when everybody else was getting up to go to work Mm -hmm. run in change my clothes brush my hair and go to work Mm -hmm. sleep on the bus the whole way there to the point my bus driver god love him i wonder where he is today (laughs) he would i would be the last one on the bus um i was working in smithfield in the industrial area he would pull the bus over come to the back of the bus and tap me on the shoulder and wake me up renee we're at your stop now darling
0: god love him (laughs) <laughs> that wouldn't have these like days. little <laughs> angels everywhere
1: around me when I when I look back in hindsight, and he used to do that every day.
0: Wow. Yeah. And so, did the drug habit affect your work life? Yes. Okay. It,
1: I always went to work. Never took a sick day. Um, I was I always had pride in doing something good for myself. Yep. So I would set a timer, and I would go into the bathroom and lock the door and just get 10-minute cat naps throughout the day because I would be at my desk like starting to shut down yeah. and I'm like, well, they can't see that. So I would just have little 10-minute 10, 10 10 minute. cat naps or this was the really cool one. Yeah. I'm proud of myself for this. I'm a genius. I'd go into the filing room and I would get a chair and I would set it up so that my back was to the door and I would get a heap of files and sit them on my lap and I would just sleep sitting up. <laughs> so if anyone opened the door, it would look like I was reading files, Right. <laughs> How genius is that? That's awesome. I know. <laughs> That's something i just so proud of. <laughs> I, I went home going, wow, genius. <laughs> yeah. And that became the go to whenever wow. I needed to. It was like,
0: go to the filing room. So, and they're all going, God, she's studious. She Gosh, reads all those files. It's just amazing. She's
1: always in there. I don't know what she's doing, but she's always in there.
0: <laughs> filing cabinets are perfect. Freaking hell. So, you, did you get your traineeship? I did. Oh, so yeah, now got now my you're traineeship. You've got a qualification now. got a
1: qualification. Okay. But the drug habit is getting worse.
0: Okay. So and When we talk drug habit, are we talking just we're cocaine? Talking, no, we're
1: talking, oh, gosh, never could afford that. Oh, okay. No, so that was in the old um, speed. Uh, ecstasy started coming around and mm-hmm. acid. Okay. Now, they were all on heroin. They were all IV users. Yeah. I knew that I would never no, that's ever. That's not a good I idea. I would never touch that stuff and I never did. That was, to me, that was death in a needle. Yeah, of course. That just freaked me out. Um, and they actually shielded me. They never did it in front of me. Okay. They would go into a room and shut the door. Yep. Um, so it was very much just a party recreational lifestyle. So we were out Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. Um, there was always um, either acid or speed at home. And it, it got to the point that I couldn't... I didn't, not I couldn't. I chose not to function without it. Yeah.
0: So you're then on it at work and stuff yep. like that. Yeah. So as well.
1: all the time. And I was getting very, very moody, mm-hmm. very moody. Um, and that's when the cracks started to show at home. They were starting to steal my food. I started to put it in my room, under my bed. They'd take the toilet paper. They were just starting to just take everything from me. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know where to go. Well, I had no one. one.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and that was when the second suicide attempt
0: happened. Where was that?
1: So that was, and, and the reason that came around is that, again, I, I rang my, my ex-Greek <laughs> boyfriend um, purely because I knew that he would always be honest with me. Yeah. He didn't know anything about my drug use because he hated hard drugs. Mm-hmm. And I just called him one day and said, I just don't know what to do. This is what's going on. He was so disappointed in me. But he said, you just need to leave Sydney. Get out of Sydney. You are going to die. Go and live with your dad. Always wanted to do that, just go. So, for the next three months, I scrimped and saved any spare coins I could and I hid them in my top drawer in a sock.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Came home one day after about saving for about three months, my doors kicked in. I went straight to the drawer, all the money was gone, and I just sat on the floor. And that's when I made the decision and went, All right, life, if you're you're really telling me that no matter what I do, I'm never going to get out of this, you can have me. Mm. And I I refer to it as the most self defeatist decision I'd ever made in my life. Went out and got two boxes of Macindol on a bottle of scotch, went out partying that night, took as probably as much speed as could have fueled a football team, drank the night away, came home, swallowed the Macindol, was throwing up as I was taking them because I was just forcing them Mm. down. And my last memory was that literally just trying to scull the scotch and, and drink the tablets and Apparently, what had happened is my my roommates had heard me collapse and sort of, you know, make a loud noise. They they, you know, busted in and found me unconscious on the floor. That was a bad one. I died for ninety seconds with that one.
0: In the house or in the hospital? In the ambulance. Okay. So someone called the ambulance.
1: Yeah, they did. Well, they were stashing their drugs. Yeah. One was calling the ambulance. The other one was stashing their drugs. drugs, Yeah.
0: And then you go to hospital again. Go to hospital. You do die you? on the way to hospital.
1: Yeah, that that was a bad one. And I had apparently had once my blood test results came back and so on, so I had to do the activated charcoal thing again and um do you remember any of this yep remember it again Mm -hmm. very clearly it was it was very painful that whole process is very painful and are you thinking during
0: that time please don't bring me back i woke up (laughs) and the first words out of
1: my mouth was fuck no i was ropeable because i just didn't know how to do life Mm. i was very very angry because i had written letters to my loved ones you know to my dad and to my mum, absolving them of any guilt yeah um you know, meticulously I did that on the Friday so that I would get them, they would get them the Monday or the Tuesday the following week because I didn't want them blaming themselves. I didn't want them having questions. So I answered all, everything I could to try to save them from that. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was prepared, man. Did I, you tell them about any abuse out. in those
0: letters? No. Okay. So you still had your secrets. You haven't told anyone. So how old are we now?
1: Eighteen when that happened.
0: Eighteen. Wow, you fitted a lot into like three or four know. years, didn't you? When you look back now and think, "Holy shit!" Like there's yeah. a lot of days there, and yeah. obviously every day was every day was, was horrible. Yeah, and so okay, so we're at the hospital. Mum and dad have got the letters.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> w- that's when Oops. I w- that's when I go home.
0: So when you say go home, back to mum or dad? Mum. That's okay. when I go down to Vega. Why'd you pick mum?
1: Because dad still didn't know. And mum was at the hospital. Okay. She turned up. I saw the look on her face and it broke me. Yeah. She was just, yeah, devastated. Mm. Um, And they had basically said you need to stay in a week this time because I had done so much uh, liver damage that to reverse that, to make sure I didn't need a, a transplant, I needed to be hooked up to like a, a concoction of, of whatever it was they gave me and, and I was in there for a week. and That's when I was like, oh, shit, this is this it's is serious. serious. Yeah um and mum just begged me and i was like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna go did she home. ask you why
0: oh yeah oh she did she did yeah She started to communicate right. with you and now. she was
1: upset because she was like how could it, how could anything be this bad mm. and of course she would think that not knowing anything what my life had been like yeah. i'd hidden for so long and i was so ashamed there was no way i was going to tell her
0: so you went back and lived with mum how long were you there
1: I was there for um, just on a year and during that time I went back to TAFE. I wanted to get into the Air Force. That was the ultimate goal. So I went back to school, got the calls that I needed to do all of that.
0: So you're pretty much getting your life together now. You think, okay.
1: Until an old boyfriend comes knocking (laughs) yeah.
0: Which old boyfriend?
1: One of the guys in the drug house. Oh. Yeah. And because he'd travelled the 600 kilometres down to Bega to find me, of course I got back with him. Oh,
0: that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. And then we moved straight back on the drugs?
1: No, no, no. I did not want that lifestyle. Yeah. I definitely wanted a break from that.
0: Was he still on drugs?
1: No. And that was the reason we'd broken so up to clean. start with. He'd gone clean as well. He'd left Sydney to come and find me. So I thought, wow, this is just picture perfect, isn't it? Mm. But my mum couldn't stand him and either could my stepfather because he was he had ADHD and he was very regular, socially awkward, created a lot of issues. So we pretty much jumped on a bus and... Went up to uh, Port Macquarie to finally have that relationship with my father. Yeah. Uh, moved into a unit and then he got back on the drugs and it all went downhill. Again. Again. And did you? I didn't until he started beating me up.
0: And then all the memories come back.
1: No, what happened was I started to enjoy it. Oh, dear. And when I say enjoy it, he became my punching bag for the first time. Okay. All of a sudden I started to just let it rip. Okay. And all of the anger and everything that I had kept inside for so long, it's like this switch was just flicked the other way and I absolutely enjoyed beating the shit out of him. Anytime he came at me I was like, yeah, come on, let's
0: go. Bring it on. Yeah. And how long did that last for?
1: That lasted for a year and a half Mm -hmm. until he started choking me to the point I was unconscious. And that's when I was like, okay, this this is bad. Now I think I might die here. And we had a we hu- don't
0: want to die and now. We,
1: and we don't want to die now. Mm. No, definitely not. And I one one night we got into a, a huge um, physical fight, punching punching match. Police came. What are you living
0: in a house or a unit? unit so people unit, could hear you.
1: And they called the police. Okay. Yep. Yeah, they were just over it, and the police came, and of course I got rid of them as you do. Um, I, and they've got no choice. If you're not going to admit that he's beating mm. you up, they, they've they got to walk away. And you could tell they weren't impressed, but what can you do? That was the night that everything really came to a head. Um, as I shut the door behind the two policemen, spun back around, and he was holding a large uh, beer bottle and slashed both of his inner forearms from elbow to wrist. Both of his. Both of his own. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do anything. I sat down and watched him bleed out. Just in the nick of time did I run next door realising the gravity of the situation and they grabbed an ambulance, but it was very touch and go. I watched him go from white to grey to blue.
0: What are you thinking during that?
1: Nothing. You know what I was thinking? I've, I've been doing a lot of speaking engagements recently talking about this one this one event. I was thinking, isn't it strange that when his red blood makes contact with the green lino floor how it looks like black?
0: That it's was the thought.
1: I had so disconnected yeah. by that stage With and felt nothing towards him that the brain was just not functioning normal at all. It was almost like a form of disassociation from yeah. the reality of the gravity of what was going on.
0: So what's, what made you go click, oh, I shit, he's no actually dying? no idea.
1: Okay. I'm very grateful for it. I call it a miracle to this day mm. because 35 stitches he needed to both arms and almost a blood transfusion. And luckily the lady next door that I ran to was a nurse.
0: Okay, so she helped.
1: So she straight away wrapped him in a blanket, stemmed his wounds, called the ambulance. What are you doing? Just watching? Watching. No feeling, no nothing. Mm -hmm. Nothing.
0: And obviously that brings more attention to you. So did the police come back?
1: No, police didn't. He, we went to the hospital, he got his stitches, made a phone call for a mate to come and collect him. The nurse called me a taxi and I never saw him again. He just. Never ever. never ever never saw him again.
0: So you go back to the house. Which is
1: like a crime scene. Didn't even clean it up. Just packed a bag. Left. Went and stayed with a friend's place and um, with a friend. Told them what happened and they were like, oh, I know someone who'd love to move into that unit. And I said, well, you're walking into a bit of a scene. Oh, we don't care. And people just move straight in. <laughs> really quite bizarre. <laughs> it's really bizarre. And where'd you go? Just, I was um, just couch surfing, I guess you'd yeah. call it now, with a friend from work. And um just got back on my feet and pretended nothing happened. Didn't tell anyone <laughs> what happened. Told no one.
0: Just moved on. Yeah, it's
1: like, where do you go? I was like, Ah, oh, it just didn't work out. You just left. Everything was a secret. Wow. Just so much shame.
0: And then so when did that stop? When does the secret stop? When do you sit there and go, actually, do you call yourself a victim or a survivor? Survivor
1: or? now. I, yeah. I hate that whole victim mentality. Yeah, no, I get that. Um I, I was definitely a victim of violence and yeah, sexual trauma, so on and so forth. Um Look, the turning point for me came many, many years later when I was 26. Mm -hmm. I'd just given birth to my daughter and I looked down at her and went, you will not have that same life that I had. I was in a very dysfunctional relationship with her father. It turned into a 17-year horror marriage, but anyway. And I just remember looking at her going, no, 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 no. This is not going to happen to you. And I actually opened the phone book that day uh, and found a local church because I'd tried everything else, yeah. meditation and Buddha and all, you know, I was just desperate. Found a local church, turned up that Sunday, and that Sunday there was four survivors on the platform talking about how they had overcome sexual violence and trauma. One had been a prostitute, um, hideous story, stories. Stories yeah. n- I had never heard anyone talk about sexual abuse. They spoke from a place of empowerment. They had embraced it. They were healed whole, had families. They were arriving and I, w- I just remember going, "You this actually happened, this is a reality, come on, you don't talk about this stuff, you sweep it out. this is embarrassing, yeah. you're disgusting, you're dirty, people don't want to know that. There was 3,000 people there that day applauding these women, people crying.
0: What made you go to the church?
1: I had been to a church when we lived up in Port Macquarie. Yeah. Best friend of mine was a Christian and she would take me and it was a safe environment people were just very lovely yeah. to me always
0: complete it, opposite to completely everything else that the opposite
1: had. and they were genuine they would remember things about me every week i would go oh renee yeah. so how'd you go at work last week and i was like what
0: yeah they <laughs> so, you're a stranger what do you
1: mean you're actually caring um so to me it was just it was almost like where else am i going to go i thought Okay, I'll go to church. People are nice there. Yeah. Let's go there. That's your safe spot. Let's just go there. And that day, that's when a light bulb, I would call it a real light bulb moment that I went, if they can do it, not just one, the two, three, four people and all these people are clapping, applauding and crying, maybe it is okay to tell somebody. And I told a pastor.
0: And so obviously you you were married at the time. You'd never told your husband?
1: I had tried to and he did what many men did. he He said it was my fault. Oh. yeah so that teaches you straight away no you don't tell people people don't understand he could not understand freeze okay in his mind you fight yeah now I had started looking I'd already done counseling qualification was now looking at going at university so I was starting to do I did a lot of research into into trauma and I tried to explain it to him but he was a very narcissistic very um, he had his own dysfunctions you know and for him no that did not make sense you either enjoyed it or you wanted it or you put yourself in that position because you fight. So he reinforced there's something wrong with you, you're broken, you're fucked up, there's something seriously wrong with you.
0: You can see why it was a dysfunctional 17-year marriage. Yeah. Do you think like attracts like?
1: I think pain attracts pain.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. I think like so at this when when you obviously met him and Mm. and you guys got together, you were very dysfunctional.
1: And I I was married when I met him. Oh, were you? My first husband was... A gentle, kind, loving man that I had fuck all in common with. Yeah. It was the first man that never hit me. He didn't swear at me. He was kind. He opened car doors for me. So when he proposed, I was like, this is it. He's the one. As soon as he finds out that I'm a piece of shit, though, he's going to run. So I better latch on to him him with all my life. Mm -hmm. And I did. And within six months, we weren't even speaking to one another. We had absolutely nothing in common. (laughs) I was like, you dickhead. But in my mind I was like, this is what you did. You, m- yeah, you meet course. a nice man, you settle down and you have a family. But you don't
0: know any different.
1: No. I'd never had anything modelled to me. No one teaches you this stuff. No. And no. the thing
0: is you obviously didn't have parents at the time. I had
1: no one in my life that was a healthy person. Yeah.
0: No Only one. the Greek, ex-Greek boyfriend.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And he was healthy in some ways, obviously. <laughs> and, and quite dysfunctional in
0: others. <laughs> no, I get that. But so yeah. you then got divorced from the first one and met the second one. How long after?
1: Um, While well, I was still married, of okay. course. Um, went out, was introduced to my ex-husband just by a mutual friend. We just started being being friends and he was just, again, very nice to me and instantly gave me a, I was a runner. Mm. As soon as something got hard, I ran because I, I don't deal with confrontation. Yeah, of course. So when he gave me an out and said, we'll just leave town, you're in an unhappy marriage and I'm, I want to move out of town, I've been here all my life, can't stand it, let's just go. I was like, okay. Cool, let's do that. Wrote my husband a letter, oh, left geez. it on the kitchen table and walked away. Who does that? I do.
0: (laughs) You did. Yeah. Not that you do.
1: Yes, I did. I did (laughs) two years later write a huge letter of apology when I found out where he was living, whether he even opened it, I have no idea. Ever spoke to him again? No. I I tried to when we tried to do the divorce paperwork and it was not Not good. good. yeah. Yeah. So I I, I carried a lot of... Oh, no. And and I found out later through a friend that he actually attempted suicide after I'd done that. So the, the shame and the weight and the guilt that I carried over that because... I knew what it was like to be in a dark place. Of course, yeah. So I felt I was always the receiver. I had never been the doer. Mm. So when all of a sudden I was the doer that had sent someone to that place, that was really hard for me.
0: Yeah. It's, um. And so where'd you move to with the new dude?
1: Uh, straight back down to Sydney. Mm-hmm. And I was, that's
0: such a good environment. <laughs>
1: well, that's that was the only. Well, we knew the wages would be better. Yeah, of course. Um, and of course I needed to get away from the husband. Yeah. Um, so I thought at least if I move to Sydney we can get employed. We can he was a spray painter, so I knew he would get work. And um, we walked straight into really well paying jobs. Um, but within a week of being together that turned violent as well.
0: And you stayed in it for seventeen years.
1: Yeah, well, as soon as I had my children, my my thought process was I cannot give them a broken home. Yeah. So we did counselling for 17 years. On and off, on and off. I read every self-help book under the sun, not realising that it takes two.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, of course, it, it
0: didn't work. So how many kids have you got? Two. two. Two
1: beautiful children. My daughter's just turned 17 and my son's 14.
0: So when did you tell them your story?
1: Um, I Or well, they read it? Yeah, no, th- and they do. <laughs> they know it. Look, I've always worked in, in roles like homelessness and in psychiatric yeah. hospitals. So they've always been around that. They've okay. always known that mummy helps people. Yeah. Um, And then when it came to my daughter getting a little bit older and me educating herself about sexual awareness, keeping you know personal body safety Mm -hmm. and because I'm a big advocate for teaching children how to keep themselves safe as well. So she always had an inkling that something happened. So she was a very mature young girl too. So at around the age of 14 I started just drip-feeding her appropriate information um, about, you know, mummy has been hurt, this is why I say these things to you, so on and so forth. But, yeah, they have both. Um, they know what's in the book, they they know about that stuff and they're just so incredibly supportive. They're amazing. great kids, really yeah. are good kids. And
0: you're obviously you're a good mum.
1: People say that and I do feel like, yeah, you know. <laughs> but you've got to be proud like, of yourself
0: about that too. Like I'm, from all the shit you went through yeah. to actually then come out the other side.
1: Well, me too though. I look at my children and I think how could you, How can you not live and breathe for your children? Mm. So when people say, oh, my gosh, Renee, you're so self-sacrificial. And I'm like, no, I'm a parent. That's, yeah. that's what a parent is. 100%. So do you know what I mean? i got four of them.
0: I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. So yeah. sometimes
1: I'm like, mm, yeah, I don't know. But I do get them. Yes. So I very am appreciative of my experience because I know the reason i I'm a kick ass mother because of the shit that I went through. Yeah,
0: of course. So I'm like, and you don't want to let them yeah, go. That's through. why
1: I'm good at what I do now. So I'm happy about that.
0: So at 26, you've gone to the church. Yeah. And you've gone, actually, fuck, I can talk to someone about this. Yes. I'm gonna find a pastor. Yep. So you grab the pastor and,
1: and you really let amazing. it all out. Drip feed again. Okay. You know, because it's all always about testing the waters, yeah, isn't of it? Because yeah, just yeah. and you wait for the face. Yeah. You wait for the, <gasps> oh, <or> all the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so you're yeah, sort I'm of like dying. watching the body response mm. and they sort of nodded. I
0: I read your introduction. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: and they sort of just nodded and they were like, wow, Renee, you're amazing. How can we help you? And I was like, eh?
0: <laughs> hey, what? What
1: do you mean how can you help me? And they're like, what can we do for you? You know, I'd never been asked that question in my life.
0: Wow.
1: It very empowering and I was at that particular church for 15 years. Wow. Yeah, was serving, was involved in every program they had. So did you tell him about your
0: back. abusive marriage as well? No. They got to keep something quiet. We were always going to counselling. Well, the <laughs> thing
1: for me was is that I wanted, I didn't ever want anyone to think badly of him.
0: Okay. Why? Because he was the father of w- your children. Absolutely. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. That's funny how your brain works, isn't oh it?
1: Oh, my gosh. Hey. You know, yeah. You know what's
0: really funny is the amount of abuse you've done to your brain and how it still works. Oh, I know, Ron. I can string a sentence together. But it is unbelievable, isn't it, when you think back and think how amazing the human body is, the the crap that you've put your body through and mentally and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Hey, you've now come out the other side and you can help all these people. You can empower these people. And is that the plan? What's the plan?
1: Yeah, look, I've worked in – I've run homelessness organisations for Wesley Mission down in Sydney. I've always worked frontline. I worked on Manus Island for four years, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the longest-lasting females on that island on that contract. I've always liked being in the thick of it because I get it. Yeah. I get the pain and the mess and I'm okay with the pain and the mess. So it has always been to give back and that's what drives me. That's my passion and that's where I'm in my flow. So I, I just never knew how I was going to do it long term and that's why I went to university, to get the quals, but I just knew I, I couldn't ever work really within the system. So I've just finished working in child protection last year. Mm-hmm. Why did I finish? Because the system is fucked. Mm-hmm. And it was getting to the point it was killing me. These young girls who I, again, what you just said, explain to them about how amazing the brain is that you've Mm -hmm. done this, you started seeing them change. And I'm like, you've been in care since you were four years old. Has no one ever told you this? And they were looking at me going, no. Um, And none of the carers eat dinner with us either, Renee, or treat us like family like you do. And I'm like, what? What? What do you mean? And it got to the point where I was starting to, I've just been doing it for too long. Yeah, I agree. And I thought, no, no, I need to leave because I'm of no longer service. Yeah, um so i got out of that and that's when i went i want to do this full time so now i mentor women all over the world online um to do uh trauma recovery so at the moment i'm running a workshop tonight a, f- a four session workshop and we're focusing on intimacy and you know a lot of highly functioning women even like myself we're professional we have businesses we're in great relationships my partner is amazing mm. i've been with him for five years he is the only person on the planet that knows everything. And he has been a huge part of my healing. And so now I help other women who women who are also in great relationships, but there's still something that, that they haven't gotten over yet. Yeah. So a word or a touch or something will trigger them. And I'm like, no, that's shit. You don't have to live like that. Let's let's work this stuff out. So I run mentoring programs like that. But That's amazing. Yeah, it's fun. And like you just see it. you when
0: you talk about it, you light up. Oh. Like uh, you, you obviously your story is is traumatic. Hmm. Um, I love the, the book called Battle Scars um, because they are scars yeah. but scars heal. And the thing is the internal scars are obviously always the worst. No matter what happens yeah, to anyone, the internal scars, do they heal? Maybe. Do they? It takes a long time obviously for this stuff. Um, your new partner, let's call him Matt because five years, still pretty new... How did that happen? How did you meet him?
1: On Menace. So oh, really? I, I was coming out of that traumatic relationship, out of that. Where are your kids? Where while
0: you on Menace?
1: I moved in with my mum.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Hello. See, you can tell <laughs> we've healed <with> our relationship, <laughs> We're going can't you? Full circle. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my ex-husband decided to leave the Sunshine Coast and move away from us. If mm-hmm. he couldn't have me, he wanted nobody. That's okay. It was toxic anyway, so yep. it was quite nice to have that peace and. So I had my children a hundred percent of the time, and that's when Mum said, "Because she's a pensioner, she's like, let's move in together. That way, the kids aren't being carted back and forth." I was like, "Yes, please." Yeah. So we've now lived together for over two and a half years, Mum and
0: I. Do you talk to each other? Yeah. Do you yeah. do you talk about this stuff? No. Oh no. <laughs> that's still silent. Did she, has she read the book?
1: Not yet, and I. That's going to be hard for yeah, her. Yeah, of course. Because still a lot of this stuff she does not know. Yeah. You know, and, and she hasn't worked on her own stuff. Yep. So I know it's going to trigger her. This stuff doesn't trigger me. I've worked through it. Yeah, I'm exactly. sweet with it. Yeah. She hasn't. Mm. So, And I'm still protective of mum. Of course you are. <laughs> so, you know, we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, so I met him on Manus. He ran the security side of the island and I did the welfare side. Wow. And he just noticed um, that I just, he just noticed this girl that always seemed to be unhappy. hmm He's like, there's this really hot chick, but why is she so unhappy? <laughs> I was like, oh, good on you. And he just took me for coffee one day and he's like, what is going on? And I'd found out that he's ex-military, ex-police. He had this very elite career for working in the armed defender squad over in New Zealand. So this big alpha male, big, bald, mouldy dude covered in tattoos, you know, that rides a Harley. And I was didn't even see him that way. Really? I just saw him as a man that understood because he had, you know, had broken up with His wife previously had three young girls and he was all about his children. Yeah. I had never spoken to another father apart from my own. Yeah. That was so in love with his children.
0: Did he remind you of your dad that way? Instantly. Yeah.
1: Instantly. It was really quite bizarre.
0: And so does do you live together now?
1: He lives in New Zealand. Oh, okay. Because he has a little one. His youngest one is eight. Oh, okay. And he has a shared care arrangement with his ex, who is amazing. We actually all hang out together. Oh,
0: cool. <laughs> yeah. And what about your kids? Are they all met?
1: Yep. Oh, they love each other. They call oh. each other sister and brother, and yeah, they're Isn't all very awesome? close. Yeah, it's 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 dynamic. It's just amazing how yeah. it's worked out. It's phenomenal. I never thought I'd have that.
0: Do you think you'll ever get married again?
1: We're, well, we're. Oh, the, the big are, ring. You're on a podcast, engaged. remember? We are engaged. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it's our children. They're like, can you just get married, you know? And <laughs> our thing is until we can live under the same roof. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. Why? Why do yeah. that? I mean, we know where we're going. We know our intention. Yeah. Um, but the kids are very impatient. They're yeah, like, come on. They They're kids. They just want to wear a nice dress. I'm sure <laughs> of it. Let's just have a party, <laughs> kids. Come on. Holiday <laughs> and put on a nice frock?
0: <laughs> That's awesome. So what's next then?
1: Next is, so the book is due to be published soon. We're in the final formatting stage now. It's exciting, isn't it? So
0: it is a little bit. (laughs) It's weird when it's on paper. Like you get the final format. I Because mine's just been released and you get the final format and you sit there and you actually have a book in your hand. Mm. You go, wow, like that's me in there. And the book I wrote is about me and about my ups and downs in life and – Nothing compared to yours. Yours is going to be awesome, but <laughs> oh, <the I> was <laughs> do be silly. No, I know that's good. But the, the, but the thing, you look at it and you think, wow, like I've actually written it down, and then you think, actually, do I want to share? That you, you'll go through these ups and downs of, do I want to actually share this? Or, Does my do I want my mum to read? This? Yeah, I actually gave the first book to my wife because she's the most important person in my life, of course. And then I gave the the next book to my mum, and on her birthday, and mum read it, and she said to me. Fuck me! It's taken me twenty years to learn what you actually do. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And I said, "What do you mean?" She goes, "Well, every time I ask you, the oh, same shit, different day." Yeah, right. I actually understand said it. What, what's yeah. going on Pee, now. I get yeah, it now. It's, it's pretty funny. So, I, I would recommend you give it to your mum at some stage. Um, obviously, it's going to be something that um, she's going to find out about anyway. Yeah, yeah, um, she but is. I agree, hundred yeah. percent. They've got they're old. They got to deal with this stuff differently than yeah. what we do. Yep, um, very differently. But to see someone as happy and bright as you are've gone through so much crap um, it's just it's just unbelievable and congratulations on that Thank you. I think it's an amazing story and I think you can teach and help a lot of people out there and um, i my, my wife works in a school and you uh, hear sort of some of the oh, stories yeah. and things like that and I want to make a change in this world where we've got some indigenous programs going to run out of this building and all because ...we're in a position where we can help. Yes. So let's help. Exactly. And like, as you say, the systems are broken. Mm-hmm. Like, the the kids in care is shit. And a lot of people get paid a lot of money to look after these children. Correct. And they take the money but they don't look after the children. And to me that hurts. And I've got four amazing kids and I want them to grow up... ...with the fact that they can help other people. And I think that's really important... In, in this world, and to do the stuff you're doing is amazing. Thank you. So, well done. Thank you. Okay, so the way oh. we always finish our podcast yes. is with some quick fire questions. Ooh. Are you ready? Yes. What's your favorite food? Seafood. What's your favorite song?
1: Oh, come on. Anyone? Come on. What do you reckon? Oh, it's actually a Hillsong United song at the moment. Oh, is it's it? good as you find me. Okay. It's life changing.
0: Okay. Favourite place in the world? Bali. That was quick. Why Bali? Because I
1: just got back from <laughs> oh,
0: And you want to go back? Well,
1: that's our retirement plan.
0: <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah. So we get married, kids grow up, we get married and I we move off. to Bali. Oh, yeah. Oh, sounds good. Um, um, what's next? I really,
1: my heart, I, I had a meeting with Bravehearts yesterday mm-hmm. and I've become a voice for Brave Hearts, and we want to do a lot of work together getting into schools. I really, really, really want to just travel the world saving lives. I want to speak oh. to women who need to hear this message and know that they are not alone. That's, that's what I want to do till the day I die.
0: That's a mic drop moment. Thank you so much. As far as I'm concerned, you're an awesome human. Thank you for coming and spending the time and sharing your story.
1: Thank you for having me. No problem at all. Thanks. <laughs> See ya. Bye.
0: Hey guys, thanks for listening. What an amazing human. Don't forget to hit us up on all the social channels at BJMacker and look out for more Meteor 8 podcasts.